Alright guys, we are finally back. Sorry about the delay. A lot of stuff's been happening. We were uh, obviously on vacation, as you could hear if you listened to our Quantum Mania episode. Um, and now we're back, but uh, because of vacation, both of us both of us got sick, so we've been dealing with that. Um, you may be able to hear it in my voice. I don't know. Probably in mine at some point as well. Yeah. So um, we uh, unfortunately kind of dragged our feet in uh, getting this episode finally, uh, well, getting the movie watched and then getting the, the episode recorded. So my apologies, but we're here and we're, we're doing the damn thing. Uh, so we watched another uh, Best Picture nominee. Paige, do you sure want to tell did. them what we watched? We watched The Fablemans. Mm-hmm. Uh, directed by Steven Spielberg. Yep. And starring Paul Dano and is it Michelle Williams? I think it's Michelle Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, several other people. Yep. A, lot, a lot of people in this movie. Um, overall, before we get into it, what do we think? I enjoyed this movie. I loved this movie. Yeah. I thought this was really, really good. Not only as a story about interesting characters that I care about, but also a movie about just the um, intoxicating love of film. Like, just taking in movies and then making them yourself. I thought that whole, like, love letter to filmmaking was really, really beautiful. And as movie lovers ourselves, I think this movie just really hits home. Mm Mm-hmm. I do think it was a bit strange that Steven Spielberg made a movie about himself. Yeah. Felt a little egotistical to me. Interesting. I, but I feel like I still enjoyed the movie. I feel like when someone writes a book about themselves, that's totally fine. Like yeah, everybody writes books about themselves, no no sweat. But as soon as someone who makes movies makes a movie about themselves, then it's like kind of odd and maybe it's just, you know, the the time constraint or the uh, time requirement to do something like this is a lot higher um but uh from and i do like that he sort of fictionalized the whole thing like like uh metaphoricalized that's not a word but uh now. instead of steven spielberg it's sammy fableman and instead of you know he changed the names of everyone in his family and stuff but he kept pretty much everything he wanted to say about his upbringing and sort of translated it into this like parallel universe story yeah um which i really dug yeah i thought it uh worked really well um and yeah and it's it's very similar to um uh the movie eight mile where eminem is not playing eminem he's not playing marshall mathers but he's playing this guy named B-Rabbit. Um, but it's still all very much a metaphor for Eminem's own life. Yeah. Um, and then there are uh, things like, uh, you know, there, there are plenty of um, Walk the Line or uh, the new Elvis movie or uh, Straight Outta Compton all eyes on me, like so many movies uh, that are about the real career of a musical artist or uh, the real life of like Jackie Robinson in 42. So many uh, movies based on true stories chronicling the life and times of one specific person or one small group of people. Um, And oftentimes it may be directed by not 
the subject matter. But, uh, and then it's always interesting to see when those true story movies uh, include the input of the people who are involved. Like, uh, straight out of Compton, Ice Cube was on set, like, all the time. He was um, an active, uh, I guess, advisor to that movie. Same with Dr. Dre, from what I understand. The only reason, like, Eazy-E wasn't there was because Eazy tragically passed away. Uh, but then there are other movies like Elvis. Elvis wasn't included at all because Elvis died years before the movie was made. Um, whereas with Fablemans, I almost kind of feel like that story would have died with Steven Spielberg if he hadn't done it himself. Mm. But it would be very difficult to... Or if you're going after Steven Spielberg inevitably and tragically you know, passes away, um, if someone wanted to make a movie about Steven Spielberg, they would have to make a movie about the other chapters in his life. You would have to sort of gloss over his childhood years and then make a movie about the guy that made... Jurassic Park and Saving Private Ryan and AI and all of his other movies. But his childhood, that's kind of a story that can only be told by Steven Spielberg himself, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I really like that he uh, took the opportunity to do it. Um, and reading through the trivia, he mentions that uh, it really feels like the one type of movie he still hadn't ever... Um, tried to tackle was an autobiographical autobiographical there you go sorry about that <laughs> yeah it doesn't feel like the rest of his movies because he's known for big spectacle productions and this didn't have cg this didn't have mocap this was just a straightforward yeah it didn't really have coming of age to story it, yeah um, this movie is nominated for seven Oscars. Oh, yes. Did it is up for off. directing. Okay. Which is kind <clears throat> of an obvious one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's up for uh, best picture for uh, music for original score. Uh, actress in a leading role. Actor in a supporting role. Best original screenplay and production design. Okay. The one that highly confuses me is best performance by an actor in a supporting role for Judd Hirsch. Yeah. He has like three minutes of screen time. He's in like one scene. I mean, he's... I I keep trying to figure out like, do I find his character so memorable because of how well he did in the role? Or was it because I went in knowing that whenever that guy shows up, he's nominated for... Best supporting, so remember his performance. Um, I think if I didn't know that he was nominated, I would not have remembered his role really? at all. Um, and for me, I, I kind of feel the opposite. Because um, he comes in as a very strong character. Like, um, the character he's playing is very different from everyone else on screen. And, like, uh, Michelle Williams, she does a good job with the performance, but it kind of always felt like an actress doing a really good job at acting. Where Mm -hmm. Judd Hirsch, it felt like they got a guy that just is that way. 
talks that way, sounds that way, walks that way. But um, I feel like if you're going to nominate someone from this movie for best actor in a supporting role, why Judd Hirsch? Yeah, I do think I feel Paul like Dano. Seth Rogen. Yeah, Paul Dano did and Seth Rogen. I, I feel like yeah. both like had to be there working hard every day for a much longer amount of time. It and may this have been... was a very interesting role for Seth Rogen. Yeah. Because he, I guess in my fairly limited Seth Rogen knowledge, I feel like he's generally in comedies. Yes. However, he's usually in Judd Apatow comedies. Good point. And if you think about it, Judd Apatow, like the, the face of Judd Apatow is comedy, is raunchy humor. But if you actually watch most of Judd Apatow's movies, there are those those moments where your characters have to get really, really real. It doesn't happen in um, your uh, Anchorman's or uh, things like that, but it does really happen in your Knocked Ups or your uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, Get Him to the Greek, stuff like that. And I feel like Seth Rogen did a really good job of, um, you know, knowing how to be funny and be silly and stuff, but then also uh, being a character who can screw up in a really big way and and has to get called out on it or get blamed for something that is entirely his fault. Um, And so I feel like Seth Rogen... And he's very Jewish. (laughs) um, So, yeah, I... I really, really liked that they did give Seth Rogen a role that, uh, although he has what it takes and he has played uh, roles that kind of feel like this, it leaned more heavily into the less talked about aspects of roles he's taken before. Um, So I really liked that. Um, And yeah, I thought he did a great job. Uh, I thought... Paul Dano did a great job. Um, one thing that I thought was really funny all throughout, Paul Dano's character, like Paul Dano as an actor, has been working for years, really, really good at his craft. He's been in some really phenomenal movies, giving really phenomenal performances. So he's an actor that really loves acting and works hard at acting and stuff. And in this r- movie, he gets hired by Steven Spielberg, who is a world-renowned filmmaker. And so he's like, yeah, I I love acting. I love giving my all to this art. I would love to work with someone like Steven Spielberg. Steven Spielberg comes to him and says, yeah, you need to be the guy that all throughout this whole movie views acting and filmmaking as a a hobby that won't get you anywhere in life. Like, it's so weird to be so, like, obsessed with acting only to get to a point where... Every day you have to walk around going, ah, movies, ugh, who needs them? (laughs) It's such a weird juxtaposition, I feel like. Well, and I feel like it would have been really difficult for these actors just in general to do this movie because Mm -hmm. Steven Spielberg is such a big name and they obviously got to be part of such a big part of what made Steven Spielberg who he is. And I feel like for them, trying to do that justice while under the nose of Steven Spielberg himself was probably so high pressure on them. And I would be so stressed 
if I was the one, especially, uh, what's his name? Gabriel LaBelle, who yeah. played Sammy Fableman. Mm-hmm. Like, you have this, one of the best directors of our times directing you while you're playing him. Mm-hmm. Holy moly, this kid needs some recognition. Yeah. Uh, very, very sad that he didn't get any nominations. Yeah. He really, um, at a fairly young age, had to pull this movie himself. Um, he really did. Yeah. And this is like the first big deal thing he's done. Um, he has a handful of other credits, but really nothing big. Yeah, like, I didn't see The Predator. Um, I wanted to, and then everybody saw it before me and said it's absolute dog shit. Um, But, yeah, like, knowing most of the people in that movie, I highly doubt that the story is focused too heavily on Gabriel LaBelle's character. Um, You know, when you're hiring your Olivia Munn and your uh, Keegan-Michael Key and your... uh, Boyd Holbrook, like all those people, you're going to focus on them a lot more. Yeah. Um, so. I just feel like he did a great <clears throat> job as Sammy. He really did. Um, and playing Sammy at so many different ages. Yeah. And so many different ages where so much of in life is changing. Exactly. Yeah, you know, like so much for uh, Sammy Fableman's life is changing. You know, they're moving across the country. He's like really getting into movie making, but then also like starting to date and stuff. But then just people in general, the years between, you know, turning what 13 when we, when he first starts playing Sammy or something like young, young boy scouts somewhere in there. And then all the way up to like 18 or something. If I look at that stretch of time in my life, holy shit. It's a rough stretch of time for everybody. That dude went through so many changes. Like, Dallas at 13 is annoying. Dallas at 18 is really annoying, but in very different ways. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Good point. Yeah. And so, yeah, being able to play someone through all those ages and all those experiences and stuff is... takes, Takes skill. Takes dedication and creativity and uh attention to detail i wonder how obviously well i don't know if his parents are still alive at this point in time steven Uh, spielberg's parents so i actually read in a piece of trivia his father is dead and the last scene that paul dano filmed as sammy's dad was the anniversary of steven spielberg's father's passing oh I just, like, wonder how his parents would feel about how they were portrayed, especially his mom. Yeah. um, Because that movie did not portray her in the best light. No. It made her look insane, honestly. Uh, So do you remember that one scene? Spoiler warning, I guess, is in effect. Um, But uh, his mom... His grandma dies, Mm -hmm. and then the next night, his mom wakes up in the middle of the night to a phone call from her mom. Yeah. And it says, don't let him in the door, or don't open the door, don't let him inside. And then the uncle shows up. Apparently, that actually happened. Steven Spielberg's mom totally thought she received a phone call from her mom, and then the next day, his uncle showed up. And so, yeah, that was, like, directly 
put into the movie, which at the at some point as I was reading it, I was like, okay, good. That was true. Because in the movie, that seemed very odd. Now that I know that actually happened, okay. You can, you can go ahead and put that in your movie then. Yeah, but like, obviously Michelle Williams did a great job, mm-hmm. which is why she's nominated mm-hmm. for Best Actress. But yeah, that does not make Steven Spielberg's mom look good. Yeah. It and... makes her look crazy and kooky and weird and like, who dances in a nightgown that's see-through in front of all of their children. And... Yeah, and um, something else that I also read in the uh, trivia is that, I guess, like, uh, where Sammy remains very close with his dad up until the very end of the movie, in real life, uh, I guess Steven Spielberg distanced, him, distanced himself from, I think it said both of his parents, but I think it said he went like 15 years without speaking to his father. And Interesting. what finally, like, he was able to really kind of learn more about the story because he only saw it as from the perspective of a young child and stuff who, I don't know if he knew exactly how much Sammy found out, um, but he kind of had to come to terms with it and realize or he needed to stop viewing his parents as his mom and dad. And he started having to view them as just two people who are trying their best and make mistakes in life and deal with those mistakes. And, and so, yeah, I, I feel like although it does paint Sammy's mother as a pretty crazy lady at the same time, it, it also paints her as a very realistic, yeah, Especially back then where if you... So much about what happened is like... Because if that stuff happened now, it wouldn't have been a big deal. Mm -mm. But the fact that it happened in the 60s... Yeah. Huge deal. Yeah, so many things. You know, you you have a mental disorder. Nowadays, go see a therapist. Back then, she went so long... (laughs) I started therapy. Yeah, like it's a big thing (laughs) that she finally is seeing a therapist. Um, And... But the fact that she's seeing a therapist, I highly doubt she's getting put on medication back then. Probably not. And if not. she is getting put on medication, it's 60s medication, not 2020s medication. <laughs> what did they use in the 60s? Dude, right? They probably like, just prescribed a lot of weed. Were they still putting cocaine in Coke bottles? I don't know. Because that... I don't think so. That's one of those things that I wish I still thought it was a myth. That happened. There was cocaine in Coca-Cola. Um... So 60s were a wild time. Yeah. But even like getting a divorce mm-hmm. was a big deal back then. Yeah. And apparently in real life, uh like the movie really shows that like a divorce is pretty necessary after seeing like the mom's actions and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. In real life, I guess they decided on a divorce, the kids got really mad at Steven Spielberg's dad, and Steven Spielberg's dad just took it. And just said, yeah, okay, it's my fault. And just didn't want his kids to know about what their mother had done. So he was like, yeah, sure, if I need to take the blame, it's better than letting them know the the mistakes their mother made. Which is, yo, that is crazy. Yeah, talk about um, being the bigger person. Yeah. Um, and just... 
and they they touch on that a little bit in the movie but at the same time it's difficult to get too into that since we're seeing it from sammy's perspective so we already know the different variables at play you know I wonder if it was hard for Steven Spielberg to jump back into some of those moments from his childhood. Trivia said uh, at least one or two actors said that Steven Spielberg was crying on set frequently. Like, I guess this was a very emotional experience for Steven Spielberg. Which makes sense. Like, obviously, you know, that's the most formative years of your life. And when all of that bad shit happens, like... Mm -hmm. I'm sure he's probably the kind of person that just dove into his work for decades and just kind of put his childhood on the back burner and was like, I'll unpack that box later, maybe. Yeah. Fableman's really did make me very interested to learn more about Steven Spielberg's personal life and and actual upbringing and stuff. Um, Unlike the Elvis movie, where I didn't care to learn more about about Elvis. Elvis. Yeah, that's... That is something I have not thought about. There are two very autobiographical films uh, nominated for Best Picture this year. One of them, I now think, did a phenomenal job. And the other, at first I thought it was bad. The more I'm thinking about it, the more time has passed, the more I'm looking at the other movies nominated, the more I'm hating Elvis. Same. Like, I think Elvis should have been like like an all eyes on me. The... uh, autobiographical movie about Tupac or biographical biopic I think it's a biopic um, because Tupac's been dead for years um, but yeah it was this movie about the life and career of Tupac and it was really bad and because it was really bad no one talks about it anymore like a very just enough people went to see it in order to let the rest of the population know don't go see it it's bad and no one saw it, and no one talks about it, and it's a forgotten movie that no one gives a shit an- about anymore. But Elvis didn't get the same treatment, and it really deserves the tr- same treatment. It's not good, it should be forgotten. Fuck Elvis, the movie. Well, and I feel like with Fablemans, not a lot of people are talking about it. It wasn't a big blockbuster. Really? It didn't seem like it, to me at least. Uh, I'm going off of more like the people on tiktok who do movie reviews and and they'll make their top tens and stuff the people who you talk to i mean we're in utah so the people we're talking to in person in utah they're not seeing fablemans but murray utah is not the market that steven spielberg is really trying to get with this one this is true sure people are gonna go see his ready player ones and his uh his jurassic parks and and stuff like that his his popcorn uh box office hits Sure, yeah, they're going to do just fine in in Utah. But I feel like if you ask Steven Spielberg, how do you feel Utah's going to receive this? He... He'd probably be like, why the fuck do I care about Utah? Yeah, and when it comes to movie opinions, uh, that's that's a a safe stance to have. When, When you're making a movie and someone says, like, just so you know, this won't be a hit in Utah... Uh, feel free to be like, okay, I'm going to worry more about the Los Angeles County. Yeah. (laughs) There is one moment where Sammy is trying to put together um, a little film video of their different camping trips, and that's when he realizes that his mom and Seth Rogen are having a thing. But he notices it because with those old 
film editing machines, you have to be cranking through the film at like whatever speed you're moving your hand. And then you can rewind and, and go forward and stuff. And he realizes it during those just rewatching the film. And there's this one shot that keeps like just um, rotating or yeah, rotating around him and the machine and so you're getting his facial expression as he's making the realization but then also what's happening on the screen and you're getting to see what's happening on the screen playing through at different speeds Mm -hmm. so you can almost sort of tell what he cares about and doesn't care about so like if they just um sort of glance at each other that will move pretty quickly, but once they hold hands, that'll move slower because that's real data. That's real mm-hmm. evidence for him. Yeah. So, you know, um, at first they, they hug, we're moving like normal speed, but then their eyes meet as they're hugging and it slows down a bit. And just the facial expressions on Sammy, but also how, at what speed is Sammy choosing to view this moment through mm-hmm. and just all of that, that one shot was, was so incredible in order to not only really drive it home for the audience, uh, like notify the audience that something's going on, but also notify Sammy and then notify the audience of how Sammy is taking that. Mm-hmm. Really an amazing shot. Also, just the effort that went into editing film back then. Yeah. Where you're having to like crank it by hand and then if you need to cut something out, you physically have to cut it and then you have to glue the strips to like what? Yeah. Well, not just glue the film strips, but also like put it into this machine that like holds it tight and then you have to like sand down part of it so that the glue will hold so that when you put the next piece down, like you also had to sand that piece so that they stick together because if you just... You really to... had to love filmmaking yeah. in order to do that. Yeah. And you had to plan so much more. Oh, yeah. Because... Well, and obviously, this is where we get the phrases of left on the cutting room floor mm-hmm. and other things like that. Which, that's another thing. Like, in this day and age, uh, nothing really gets left on the cutting room floor. Like, it gets taken out of the movie it gets cut out of the movie but back then left on the cutting room floor you're literally taking a deleted scene or something a strip of film and throwing it on the ground and then you walk on the literal sole evidence of a deleted scene it's why there are like lost movies and lost scenes there's a scene from uh the original king kong uh that pretty much the uh characters fall off this like log bridge thing and they fall into this big pit with bugs and stuff and i guess there's one or two singular frames that have survived but the scene itself was literally on the cutting room floor and stepped on and it's you put it through a film reel now there's footprints on that shit Mm -hmm. like there's literal ugh. And so, yeah, when Peter Jackson put it into his movie, everyone was like, that's the worst scene in the movie. And it's like, yes, but it's kind of a fun little Easter egg that he put that in because it's a callback to a lost scene, which is awesome. But yeah, Steven Spielberg did not make good choices with that scene. So one thing 
about this movie is at the very end, the like first big Hollywood lesson that he learns is that if the horizon is at the top or at the bottom, it's interesting. But if it's in the middle, it's shit. That's a weird lesson to put into a movie where you keep the horizon in the middle the entire time. Is the horizon in the middle the entire time? Pretty much. Really? I hadn't been really like focusing on where's the horizon. So it's like weird that you would put that lesson in. Yeah. If you're not following. I mean, obviously you can't have every single shot with the horizon at the top or the bottom. Right. But I just thought that was very strange. Yeah. Um, and I actually, a uh, couple weeks ago, so long before I saw The Fablemans, I saw a video where it was Steven Spielberg describing his first meeting with uh, John Ford. And he just goes through, like, there was this lady, and she's sitting at the desk. She tells me to sit down. It could be a minute. And then she says, it could be a long time. And then he comes in, and he describes John Ford. And as it's showing the interview with Steven Spielberg describing the moment, it's showing the scene from Fablemans and just the way it's... He pretty much like took perfect exactly <laughs> what happened to him and put it into the movie, which I thought was so cool and so interesting. Yeah, like if, if you meet John Ford for the first time and he teaches you one lesson and then gets then says, now get the fuck out of my office, you're going to remember that one lesson. Whether or not, you know, 20 years later and you're, you know, Academy Award nominated director several times over, um, you may be like, you know what, I, I think I can uh, come up with my own lessons now mr ford but um that first lesson you ever learned is going to stick with you for the ages um so i do like that he he kept it in there um and apparently that shot where sammy goes walking out and the horizon's dead center and then the camera suddenly like just shakes and like moves so that the horizon's at the very bottom of the screen apparently that camera move steven spielberg came up with that on the day that they were shooting it. Oh, really? Which I love. That's that's so great. Um, so, yeah, there's there's so much about this movie that I really, really enjoyed. Um, oh, one thing that I said it during the movie, and I just, I always feel like I need to sing praises. Um, Julia Butters is the actress that plays his sister Reggie in her older form. Um, so she plays Reggie throughout the majority of the story she kills it she does an absolutely phenomenal job and i feel like julia butters is just such a ludicrously skilled actress and i hope i see her in so many things i want her career to absolutely launch into stardom um oh yeah i always forget this but she's uh one of john krasinski's kids in 13 hours uh, she was, the the moment that I really took notice of her was, and I feel like it's the same way for a lot of people, but she's in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and then uh, she's... She's in I Think You Should Leave, one of your a, yeah. very favorite shows. Yeah, um, she's in, I think, just one sketch of I Think You Should Leave, but then she's the uh, daughter that Ryan Gosling has to protect in The Gray Man, which, that was a movie that came out and no one saw it because it's a movie on Netflix and Netflix doesn't know how to advertise their movies. But that movie was dope. And no one I saw it. I enjoyed that movie. Nobody cared about it. That movie was great. And I highly recommend it. Sorry. Bit of a shout out to a completely different movie during our Fablemans episode, but whatever. Um, but yeah, Julia Butters. 
just kills it every time she's she takes on a role. Overall, I would say this movie is worth the watch. Definitely. And Even more so for people who are big movie lovers mm-hmm. who love Steven Spielberg. I think if you're more of like a casual movie goer, maybe this one is going to be a bit long-winded for you. Yeah, but I, I think overall, it's a very enjoyable movie. I think it's also a really great piece um, for uh, maybe for someone like a Ryan Mortimer. Uh, he was uh, our guest star in uh, Quantum Mania, but someone who didn't grow up, you know, really caring about movies. And so now, when there is you know these movies coming out that people are like, "Oh my gosh, I love it so much," and he's like, "What is it about movies?" Like. What really does it for you? I feel like Fableman's does a really good job of, of showing, explaining the magic yeah, of movies. Yeah, like um, chronicling, like that first time you see a movie that really just makes your mind go, "Holy shit, that was magic! That was an absolutely like." I always feel so dorky trying to use this term, but it is exactly like what i'm trying to convey and and um, communicate but like there are moments in movies that are so special to me it's it's a borderline spiritual experience Mm -hmm. with how um life-changing it can be and, and how uh profoundly i connect with it and so yeah i feel like for people who may be close with people who love movies, but you personally have never quite understood it, Fableman's can be a really great piece to explain the experience of falling in love with movies in general and filmmaking and the desire to tell stories through that medium. I agree with um, that. So yeah, I, I really feel like almost anyone could watch this movie and really, really love it. Maybe not every single person. There are some people who are like, if there's not an explosion soon, I'll lose my mind. Uh, whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And and the moment when um, Sammy is uh, putting together his Western and he's watching his friends shoot the guns and he's like, "This lo- it's blatantly fake and it looks like shit. Ugh, what am I going to do? And then he figures I'm out. going to poke a hole in the film. Poke holes in the film on the muzzles, like on the barrel of the gun every time the the gun goes off and it just sort of gives you that bit of of white light mm-hmm. as what really looks like the gun fired and he's like oh that could work and then he shows it to people and as soon as they start firing guns everyone in the room is like oh, whoa and to me i'm like i i grew up in the the 21st century and so that's the sort of thing if your parents wanted the family computer to be a Mac, uh, you know, an eMac, an iMac, whatever, you probably had iMovie. And with iMovie, making a gun go off is probably just a plug-in. You just have to go onto YouTube, figure out how to make a, a gun flash happen. And it's just a, a plug-in. You didn't have to go through the film and figure out, like, what would happen if, and if this doesn't work, then I've ruined an entire strip of film because I only have one copy of this because we're living in the 60s. Like, it's so... And if you plug something in on iMovie and it doesn't work, take back that plug-in. It's all digital. You just have to... Press control Z, undo. You don't even have to take anything out physically. And so, yeah, just watching the 
innovation and the creativity of that is so insane and how back then if you could figure out any sort of a small trick it shocked people poking your film was on the same level as James Cameron figuring out facial capture for Avatar it was just the most like how did our friend Sammy do that that's insane Mm -hmm. and I don't understand how he did it yeah, I oh, loved it so much. Um, so you agree with the Best Picture nomination? I do. I don't know if it'll win. I don't think it's going to win. Um, but I We've feel seen like... now nine of the ten Best Picture nominees. Yeah, yeah. We just have women talking left. Mm-hmm. And I still, to this day, know almost nothing about that movie. All I know is that Claire Foy is in it. Okay. All and apparently I, know, I look like her. Yep. Um, I know one other actress who's in it. Um, so, don't know if you want to hear, but uh, I think I saw that... Uh, oh, shoot. Now I can't remember. It's either Kate Mara or Rooney Mara, but it's one of the Mara sisters. Oh, okay. Um, but, yes, yeah, so we still have that, and then we're going to try to see Turning Red and The Whale, because yeah. they're not nominated for Best Picture, but they're both, you know, talked about movies. Yeah. So we're almost to the Oscars, guys. Yeah, when is that? It's March ele- or March 12th. Oof, so okay. So one, two weeks yeah. from tomorrow two weeks from Shit. is the Oscars. Okay. Cool, cool. So we're wrapping up our best picture journey. Um, and once we do that, we'll hit you with an episode on what we would like to see happen at the Oscars, what we think we will see. Um We've been putting in the work so that we can have yeah. some educated opinions on all of the things. Or maybe not all of the things, but some of the things. Yeah. Um, oh, one last thing. Uh, from what I remember, this uh, Fablemans is not nominated for cinematography. No. I think it should have been. I think there were some great shots. Yeah. Uh, there are at least two moments, but uh, at some point, I think uh, Sammy gets slapped on the back by his mom because he says some pretty disrespectful shit to her. He and does. then he walks down the hallway and the camera is just like right in front of him the whole time. The journey down the hallway, somehow they make that hallway look like it's three miles long. Yeah. Like that is... There are some interesting movies that have been left off of the cinematography mm-hmm. list. But I'm pretty sure Which, Elvis got nominated for Best yeah, Cinematography. Yeah, so Cinematography, there's All Quiet on the Western Front. Great. Bardo, False Chronicle of a Handful of Truths. Uh, oh my gosh. Whatever. Elvis, Empire of Light, and Tar for Cinematography. And I feel like Banshees could have been nominated. Mm-hmm. I feel like Fablemans, Fablemans could have been yeah. nominated. Granted, we have not seen Empire of Light or Bardo. Empire of Light uh, almost kind of looks like a Fableman's in the, like, talking about... Because uh, it's like another movie about movies, right? Yeah. Um, and it looked really good. And I uh, really wanted to see it. And then it, I guess, was in theaters at some point. But not when I was looking at uh, Fandango showtimes. Um, so, yeah, I never really saw it playing anywhere. Um so yeah, I missed my opportunity, and now I have no idea how to access Empire of Light. But yeah, um, and then the other one, Bardo, um, and that long title. What even is that? 
no one's Never talking it. about it. I don't know if it's streaming somewhere, who's in it, what it, I, I don't know. Um, and I feel like every year there's at least one movie that uh, the Oscars are like, oh, you need to pay attention to this one. And everyone's like, no. But why? And then it still walks home empty-handed, so who gives a shit? Yeah. Um. So, yeah. Did you have a celebrity that you want to meet this Oof. week? You know what? I'm going to go with uh, uh, Julia Butters. Yeah. Good choice. Yeah. I think she is just phenomenal. I'm going to go with uh, one of the guys from Corridor Crew. Ooh. Uh, Ren. Dude. We shouted out Corridor Crew. We love Corridor Crew. Yeah. And Ren is hilarious. Yeah. His facial expressions get me every freaking time. Yeah. Um, um, so if you haven't watched Corridor Crew, please go watch it. Yeah, do yourself it a favor. You won't regret will it. will make you appreciate what goes into movie making so much more. They talk about stunts and they talk about uh, VFX. They have some incredible guests on there. Um, so if you are a person that wants to kind of dig into the nitty gritty of how movies are made, go to Corridor Crew. Yeah. Um, great YouTube channel. Um, I'm not a member of the Corridor Digital.com website, but I should be. Um, they should hire you. You would be a great Corridor crew member. Dude, I would love it. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I think that's everything. If you want to follow us on Instagram, mm-hmm. you can do so at the.real.couple. Yeah. And you if you can... want to email us, you can do that as well. Yes. Our email is therealcouplepod at gmail.com. Have we gotten any emails? Not yet. Okay. Um, but yeah. Email us. My email inbox us. is empty. Slide into our DMs. Uh, send us a, shoot us an um, email. It's like regular mail, but digital. Yeah. Um, or electronic. That's what the E stands for. Yeah. It's electronic mail. Fun fact. Learn something new every day. Um, and you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music, and Google Podcasts. Yeah. Thanks so much for tuning in, guys. Yeah. Have a great day. Yeah. And we'll, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.